Today's sponsor is Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove for a free audiobook download. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 12, titled Remember. Uh, you have some stuff that you want to get to up front, like, you know, writer, Holy director, shit. that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, all that stuff, I guess. Uh, right. It was directed by uh, Greg Nicotero. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've heard of him. I have, yeah. He's, uh, pull- he- he's pulling a lot of double duty this season. He is, yeah. He's directed a lot of these so far, right? At least a couple of the the four that we've seen. And I tell you what, the man can't handle direction and possum special effects at the same time. <laughs> I, I, to be fair, I don't think he's the one doing the digital possum. Oh no, effects. he signed off on that. Like, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, look at the scene where Daryl shoots the possum. Uh-huh. And this actually was brought out by several people. Uh, it the pre the, the the possum looks like he's wearing a predator cloak. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't, like, an insert texture here. Like, you know, it's uh-huh. they just, just forgot the texture to CGI possum. And I was thinking, like, when I was watching the show, man, I didn't see anything come out. They're really fast. Daryl yeah. is really good. But Those no, possums, I mean... Man. You gotta watch them. <laughs> I just didn't see it because it's hardly visible. Uh, it was also uh, written by Channing Powell who is one of the kind of uh, more uh, novice of, of the crew members. She's written four episodes of walking dead or perhaps he i actually don't know this person oh no uh she's she was born as elizabeth powell so i'm guessing she's a she okay and uh, she's also written for several episodes of white collar um which is a tv series i think it's a it's kind of like a mad men knockoff probably yeah anyway like it Whatever, it doesn't matter, because I thought this episode was the best of this half season, and uh, it has kind of reinvigorated my excitement for the show. This is the kind of show that, um, or, or this is the, this future of the show, I think, is the brightest. Um, they, it's introducing so many more characters and interactions and potential things that can, uh, you know, tell in the story. Uh, I also... Most seasons, I kind of read the section of the comics that I think they're going to cover, and mm-hmm. I think that's backfired for me mostly because I've got fresh in mind exactly what happens, and when it deviates, it just kind of pisses me off. Yeah, I yeah. haven't read the Alexandria b- beginning of the plot for years, uh-huh. so I, and I don't know whether that's why I enjoyed it so much. But you know, some quibbles aside, I just mostly excited for everything I was seeing. What do you think? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm roughly on the same boat. I realized watching this show that I have been trying to watch Frank Darabont's The Walking Dead, and that is a mistake at this point. That is a huge mistake at this point. I think this show has its tongue firmly in its cheek. Up its asshole. No. No. <laughs> no. Yuck. Uh, I, I think this show is trying to make a lot of kind of silly jokes and, like, isn't taking itself too seriously – uh, and I don't think I'm going to hmm. anymore. I, I and I think you know they they do some of the drama stuff, but even the drama stuff that they do, they're they're doing a lot of quick cuts, and they're not like trying to like linger on this stuff. 
too long. I was refreshed by that. Like, um, I think this yeah, interview yeah. stuff could have worn thin real quick. Oh, sure. If we got like two minutes of everybody, but the way you know, we just got enough to establish what was going on. Like, and it was yeah. a, really useful in like the Carol and Daryl scenes mm-hmm. and the Michonne scenes and Glenn. I thought Glenn was really effective. This is yeah. one of the best Glenn episodes we've had in a long time. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you really felt his thousand yard stare. I'm about to snap. Uh huh. I'm about to wreck you with a, a with some zombie bones. I mean, he, he it was good, good, good work. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm gonna be watching it because I can tell like behind the scenes, I know that these guys are having a lot of fun and are just like, uh, let's put this silly joke in there. You know, let's have Daryl carry the possum into the living room for his interview. Uh huh. That kind of shit is. Stuff that you can tell where they're obviously just having a good time with it. Sure. And so I think I need to relax maybe a little bit and just have a good time with this show. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's easier to have a good time with the show when... Because, I I mean, yes, you're not wrong, but also <laughs> this is better. I also want to not right. lose the sight of this... This episode was good. Yeah. Th- something different from what we've seen in, in the last year and a half or so is, is good news. Sure. I'm with you. Why don't we get into the recap? Uh, yeah. Before we do that, I got we got to take our lumps. We gotta oh, take our, or, or yeah. maybe we got to take our limps. We do. We, we do. Uh, Donna from Texas was the first one of many, many, many people to write us in uh, and say that uh, um, just a quick note to let you know that Noah had a limp before he fell down the elevator shaft. I'm pretty sure Beth asked him about it and he even gives the same explanation to her that he gives to Aaron. I'm not sure why everyone seems to have missed that, but maybe you stopped paying attention in the middle of that episode. Possibly. (laughs) I don't blame you too much for that one, but Noah's not lying, so there's one thing you can stop hating on the writers for. In fact, uh, several other people had a screenshot of his nasty long scar that he Mm -hmm. got from that experience. Uh, So, Mia Culpa, Scott Gimple, you got us. Yeah, we fucked up. You got us. You made a boring plotting episode with boring characters that we missed their backstory (laughs) on, and we thought they were lying. So you got you us. got us so uninvested in this story <laughs> <laughs> that we forgot a major detail. Uh, so yeah, uh, there you go. Uh, we we fucked that up. We we were sure. we were napping. Yep. Apologies for that. I hope nobody uh, ran off to their friends and said, "Hey, hey, you guys know, you know something?" Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I hope that wasn't part of your water cooler talk with the uh-huh. Walking Dead fans, and they're like, "You fucking asshole." Yeah, because I saw somebody write in and say that they almost made that mistake with the Janeway stuff we were doing in the instant cast. Oh, lots of people thought we were serious <laughs> on that. It's like, no, I know yeah. this isn't Kate Mulgrew. Yeah, if you go back and watch the live the live watch of it, yeah. we made that joke. We were like, man, this she looks a lot like Kate. Sure, sure. Uh, but that was that was funny too. I was like, man, I'm glad he went back and watched that because he would have looked like an ass. Yeah, imagine if she, imagine she like smoked two packs of Marlboros a day. It'd be like. A dead-on Jane Wayne impersonation. Kate, who says Kate hasn't? What are you talking about? Kate Mulgrew. No, I'm saying that's exactly what she's done. Kate's got that gravel voice. Oh, oh, she, yeah, Deanna does Deanna does gotcha. not. Deanna right. does not. <laughs> Deanna is anyway. like, uh, I want you to be my constable. Um, <laughs> that's a terrible Jane Wayne. Uh, all right, let's get into the recap. Sure. We, we start off with Rick's group, uh, right where we left him last episode, getting greeted at the gates by... A couple of guards who who invite them in. You think it's odd that nobody helped Aaron and Eric? Was Aaron even helping Eric? Yeah, he was. Okay. <laughs> he was. He had his. You know, he's got a broken ankle and he's got yeah. this fucking splint, and they're hobbling up to the gates. And the gates, like you know, they're watching him come up from like fifty foot. And this Nicholas guy is just slack jawed mm-hmm. watching him. Like I don't expect him like ER style to go get a wheelchair and wheel him in. Uh-huh. Uh huh. 
but damn. I figure he's got more important things to, to worry about with the new group coming up to the gates. Well, see, in subsequent watches, I started seeing a lot of potential tension in this community that I didn't notice on my first oh. watch. Oh, yeah. And, like, that maybe this isn't as idyllic as we think. And, and we'll I'll be calling those out as we go. But I just wonder, like, if, you know, this ROTC guy, the ROTC guy, and this Nicholas guy just don't like Aaron. Or maybe they're, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they're te- seem the type to be the kind of guys that would, you know, be skeptical that two gay men can be out there and be recruiters. Arguably, they're sure. doing a better job surviving and doing a more dangerous yeah. job than these guys. Uh-huh. And they're better at it. Uh-huh. And we see how well ROTC deals with threats to his oh my god superiority so I, I think there's some 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 trouble in paradise here definitely i think you're i mean right. i know there's trouble in paradise because it's the walking dead mm-hmm. but i think they're doing a decent job of foreshadowing and kind of um making uh, giving us some aha moments here yep uh, uh so uh, possum jumps out daryl kills it they refuse to give up their guns and then aaron tells them to go see deanna mm-hmm. first before he kills him daryl tells the uh, the possum that he's an ugly motherfucker <laughs> Uh, uh, can we talk about, I, I, I'm, I just need to get it out of my system. This, mm-hmm. and, and there'll be one other time, so it won't be the only time, but I am not impressed with the cold rolled steel fences. Not at all. This no. is a cold rolled chain link fence with a fucking sheet of burlap over it. <laughs> and what's worse, this gate has a huge view of several residential houses and a lot of inside the community. Hmm. Like, no one comes inside your gate without your say-so. What if someone rolls up in a Jeep and just starts spraying it down, drive-by style? You guys are fucked. Oh, Plus, yeah. every time the gate opens, half the fucking town comes out to greet you, so that's that's not a good thing either. I mean, this... <laughs> half the town? I didn't see half the town. When when the uh, Arazzi and Glenn came back and had their fist fight, oh, yeah, there yeah, was the a second ton time. of people, yeah. you know, coming out. And I don't know if that's the thing you want to do when the gates swing open. I... Yeah. You know, again, you said solid slab steel, and I get it. That's probably expensive, but you know what? You could probably paint a bunch of plywood steel gray. We'd be none the wiser. <laughs> Don't fucking tell me about your cold rolled and your solid steel, and I've seen a tank roll over this shit. This, come on now. Spence is really bothering you, man. <laughs> yes, yes it is. Yes it is. And we haven't even got to the stupidest part of it. Sure. The the Yeah. Okay. Um. So... You can see right off the bat here that Rick is probably thinking these people need someone to take care of them. They can't handle themselves or making mistakes like that. Because uh, right off the bat, he says it's a good thing we're here. Well, yeah, because I don't... Yeah, I... It seems like the Sasha sniping the guy was supposed to be a badass moment oh, for the Oh, God, group. it was so cheesy. And and his line was like, so good dumb. thing we're here. It's like, we cause you dispatch the zombie 100 yards outside the gate. Like, they haven't shot a zombie a thousand times. Yeah. And it, granted, it's from a distance, but so what? And, you know, your weapons are nice and all that stuff. It, it, yeah. It's for, it, it serves to further make it lud- ludicrous, this guy handing out sweet biscuits at the end of the episode. <laughs> but, I mean, they've got military-grade weaponry here, uh-huh. and uh, they're good at it. So Especially Carol. Jesus. I just thought that... That they jumped the gun just a little bit too soon about making the these people are soft point. Yeah, yeah, they did. So uh, well, then we get the interview with Rick. Um, he has a, a pretty hard. Before view we of move on, yeah. 
so let's talk about these defenses in a non just jackass way. Are we because sometimes I wonder, are we as the audience supposed to see this these these fake steel walls as impregnable? Like as Aaron has described them, like this is a fortress. There's no way anyone's getting in or out without our say. Or I, mean, I, don't, I don't buy that. Are we supposed to look at these with like Rick eyes and yeah. be like, uh, no? I've seen a tank roll into a prison before. Come yeah. on, that's what I'm saying. And like, fire a rocket into it. I can't figure ship. out what we're supposed to in universe think about this. Is this a fortress or is this a paper tiger? That's that's a good question. Uh, I, me watching it, I'm thinking the whole time this place is fairly well protected against your average baddie, but if a governor type rolls in, this is not going to hold up to that. I mean, teenage girls are sneaking in and out of this place yeah. in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. So is Carl. So is Carl. Again, yeah. What's, I'm, you know, I'm, I, he's, 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 a, I mean, he's a man full grown now in sure. Game of Thrones terms. So yeah, I, I'm with you there. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I just don't know because... I could see them saying, like, look at all this metal. You know, it was chain link before, and now it's got all this metal. Look at all these brace supports. This is something mm-hmm. that Rick was trying to do with two befores, and now they're steel. And, like, that's supposed to be the this uh, secure feeling. But I also see what my lying eyes are telling me, and it's not that not yeah. that big a deal. It's pretty porous. Definitely, especially when you consider the hardware that is probably going to be hanging around near Washington, D.C. If that area had been completely abandoned <laughs> by all of humanity in an organized way that would prevent looting, uh-huh. like, fuck your mall being built. Go to Lowe's, motherfucker. I mean, sure. Yeah. I don't know that you need a fancy architect to. Anyway, let's. All right, let's move on. Rick uh, is interviewed by Deanna, and he has a fairly harsh view of the outside world. Um, or maybe he has just the view she's looking for. Yeah, to to protect these people. Um, what, what was that? We find out that they've been behind these walls essentially the entire time. They have not yeah. had. I mean, what do you think their experience with the outside world has been thus far? Do you think they've had any? Or do you think that Rick's making? I mean, well, he's she says that other people showed up at some hmm. point, so they have had some contact, sure, um, with the world coming into their little compound here. But I yeah. don't know if how much they've gone out and well i mean the previous or in later in this episode they say we've gone out 53 miles right yeah so they do have a little bit of experience outside the walls but not much sure um they also neatly explain because there's a lot of uh virginia natives saying that like this area in the kind of like the dc metroplex area is like super heavy heavily populated Hmm. yeah um and they kind of um hang a fig leaf on that by saying that because it was so heavily uh, populated and because it was you know center of the United States government, it was one of the more effectively evacuated population centers. That uh, do you buy that? Are you are you? Yeah, cool? that works for me. Yeah, I, I'm fine with it too. I'm I'm sure a lot of people will have problems with that, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm fine with it because honestly, um, I don't know. It seems like. I don't know. It, so that means that there's really not going to be possibilities of massive herds, at least right away. Unless we're talking about the one that they encountered follows them here. Oh, that would be that interesting. That was a pretty if big they herd. they piper it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, then we'll test their coal rolled steel. 
Yeah, I also like how they neatly explain um, like the fact that they have power, hot water, yeah. flushing toilets. I mean, it's basically flip off your brain about this, that, <laughs> you know, about the pop, the, the, this being yes. a densely populated area and also why is there hot water? These people worry need about a shower. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Deanna has a full on Oracle from the Matrix moment here. Like when she's in the kitchen baking cookies and she tells Neo <laughs> to... She tells Neo that, you know, you're going to break that vase. And he spins around, what face? Oh, and he breaks the vase. She does that with the watch to Rick, doesn't she? How? She, she, in the middle of a conversation, with no prompting, just mentions what time it is. And, and Rick glances down at his watch. She then looks at his watch and says stuff that's unrelated mm-hmm. to the time. And by the time she's done, she says, like, she, she... She mentions mentions the time, and then she says, like, uh, something about if you're the one actually making decisions. And then he goes and he sets his watch. Hmm. And I'm like, that feels very much like the cookie scene from The Matrix. I don't, yeah, I mean, I thought it was weird when like I saw it. Like predestination and causality, like all of these things coming into question here. So this is like a thank you kindly moment that she's she put it into his mind he needs to set his watch and he's taking orders from her? She's I think conditioning so. him? I think that's supposed to show us hmm. that she has a little bit more, she's a little more perceptive. Because she's going on about like, oh, I was going to be a poker player if this, uh, that's if I didn't get reelected. Yeah, that no, I'm so serious. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that's a kind of a weak politician joke, like you see in House of Cards all the time. But then uh-huh. she's like trying to like, oh no, I could actually play poker. Mm-hmm. Oh, shut up, shut up. But I, I think they're trying to tell us the show is that she is very good, like obviously at reading people. She says as much. She has to be. I mean, but the she, fact that she but is, that she actually is. The fact that she's maintained control of this thing for the entire time. Yeah, like I don't care if they've had it relatively easy. Mm-hmm. Just dealing with her goddamn son seems like it'd be enough, uh, you know, uh, to 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 give her gray hair. So, yeah, uh, someone like this who has—I mean, obviously she's not a physical champion. Sure, she's no great warrior. Especially in that scene, you can see she is so much yeah, shorter than Rick. Rick is just towering over yeah. her. <laughs> so she's, you know, I, you know, I, she's got to have something about her that makes us work, mm-hmm. and I. Maybe you're right. Maybe they're making her out to be like this uh, master manipulator. I feel like they were. She she could also be trying to get Rick to slowly adopt some more uh, society-friendly habits, you know? Mm. Just like setting his watch is a very small thing, but that kind of gets you in the mindset that, oh, time matters, and maybe I, I need to kind of settle down here a little bit. I don't know. Right. I, I thought there was some subtle stuff in at play here. I felt like... Honestly, it felt like she was doing a, a bad job at cold reading him. It's like, you know, what was your job, <laughs> Sheriff? I knew it was something like that. What's your favorite color? Mm. Blue. I had a feeling it was blue. I mean, like, <laughs> what? Come on. I'm, I'm, you have an uncle, a father, a grandfather. I'm getting pee. A pee? Yeah. <laughs> Is there a pee anywhere in there? Uh, no. <laughs> Grandpa. Pa. Ah, yes, that's it. And what's your grandpa's name? Oh, I thought that was going to be it. <laughs> anyway, uh, after talking with Deanna, Rick has the group give up their guns. He's convinced enough to to relinquish their weapons. Uh, Carol's is the biggest, by far. She has the biggest gun. Uh, and it's hilarious the way she was mugging with it like oh, oh i yeah. don't know how this oh, how's the strap work me. oh it's like you know they just loaded me down in this big gun and uh-huh i don't even know how to fire it hee <laughs> hee do you think that holds up i don't know do you think that plays to because the, 
the second time I watched it, I noticed a lot more of what she was doing. Oh, yeah, like, me too. There, she's doing a lot of weird, like, kind of savvy shit in the background. Right off the bat, she's, in, in that first scene where they walk through the gates. Did you see her swipe the spiral notebook and start drawing up maps? I did. Did you see that the notebook totally disappears when she walks out the front door? <laughs> What do you mean it totally disappears? She swipes the notebook. They cut literally to her walking out the front door with no notebook. Hey, man. Uh, she's no, she, 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 she honed her skills at shoplifting at Safeway in downtown Georgia. Or downtown, Georgia downtown Atlanta. I, I don't know where you can... She can palm, she can palm something and, and slide it down the back of her pants so fast. Make her head spin. You can see the back of her pants. It's, it doesn't have a pad of paper in it. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm sure. Maybe yeah. that's what her butt looks like. Oh, okay. So it just pads out perfectly. It was like it's con it's concave. Uh-huh. She she's carefully hollowed out her cheeks. So she <laughs> just can, for this moment. It, well, no, not just for this. I told you she's she she's a master <laughs> chocolate. But only for stealing pads of paper which perfectly round out you know, her butt. Uh it, it could be many things. Let's move <laughs> this is not working. Let's go. No, let's you're keep right. Moving. You're right. Rick yeah. does side eye. He's like, "What?" Did you notice that when she's struggling with the gun, he's like looks at her like, "What Doesn't are he? you doing?" Uh, yeah, yeah, no, he's that makes he's sense. on he's on to her routine. All right. Uh, then Aaron takes Rick and Carl to their new house. Uh, the new houses actually, but they're only going to use one of them for a little while. And Carl finds some running water, and yeah. then Rick calls dibs on first shower, and <laughs> he promptly uses up all the hot water and then clogs the sink with beer. Oh, hair. you know he does. Of course he does. What an <laughs> asshole, man! The puddle of ooze. That is under his feet is horrifying in that shower. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, they haven't showered in like a year. I mean, the last time I can remember I them taking yeah. a shower was it's not the CDC. It was was on a farm because Shane took a nice hot steamy shower, uh-huh. uh, famously clogging Herschel's sink as well yep. with his uh, man his hair. hair. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what the it's you know Shane and Rick. They're just the sink clogging buddies. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Guy, can you imagine the sinks at the sheriff's office in Georgia? <laughs> Oof. Anyway, uh, a woman shows up at the door, introduces herself as Jesse, and offers to cut Rick's hair. Then he accepts, and they have a friendly conversation about the end of the world. Yep. Did you feel any sexual tension between the two? Uh, on second viewing, not so much. You know, that's the thing. Like, they did a lot of going through the motions of them establishing relationship but there wasn't any kind of real heat there no which i thought was cool because um it's kind of like it would honestly be a little eye rolling for jesse to just throw herself at rick um and for rick to let his guard down so much to be in that mental space to be like hey you know yeah that's not what's on his mind here no no at all yeah uh yeah so i i I definitely picked up on that on the first time through but not the second time. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think they're putting that possibility forward, but it's not mm-hmm. like an overt thing, and and yeah. I appreciated that. Then we get the Daryl interview with Deanna, where she doesn't really get much out of him um, before he goes outside to gut the possum. Uh, and man, I just love that Daryl's carrying that possum in this mm-hmm. scene. Yep. Just restless pacing. That's what he would do, man. Daryl is an animal. Yeah. He is not going to he give really up is. his kill. Give up his food for anybody. I'm worried for Daryl, honestly. Yep. I, I kind of want to talk about what I think might be in the future for Daryl. Okay. But we'll All right. get there. We have, like, this, the spoiler section feedback. is almost twice as long as our regular section uh, oh, wow. this week. We got a lot of people just getting a lot of stuff out, uh, a lot of theories, Call, calling dibs, calling shotguns on these things. 
All right. One of the lines that uh, Daryl delivers, I think the only line Daryl delivers in this scene, is about, uh, you know, the boy and the baby, they deserve a roof, I guess. That, to me, says, basically, he's fine in the wilderness. He doesn't give a shit, but he's got to help these people. Sure. And that's kind of always been what Daryl's about. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad to see that that is You're wrestling with something that this might be good for the group, but it's actually not good for me. Although, it's just a little inconvenient for him. He doesn't like this style of life, right? uh, Well, so... He was cool with the prison because that was essentially secured, you know, uh, maximum security camping. Okay. Yeah. Here, there's like fucking hot water and electricity, and he's just, no. Yeah, I, I feel like he's more at home out in the woods in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty much where he was raised. So Yeah. Sure. Uh, Carl and Carol get to snooping around the house, and then Carol goes outside where... She talks with Daryl and Rick, and they decide they're skeptical about having their weapons taken and being split. Yep. And then Rick and says, is, we're sleeping together This tonight. is the scene we're talking about, her snatching the paper. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, her and Daryl and Carol, her and Daryl and Rick look like they're all on the same page about the group security. And I thought it was interesting yep. that this also seems like it's kind of the leadership of the group. It does, yeah. Yeah. Interesting that Michonne's not kind of involved. And Glenn's not involved. She she has been pushing them in directions, certainly. Um, and I, I think Glenn has, too. This entire group. I mean, we talked about this, I think, last episode, where Rick is kind of, you know, taking the advice of everybody again, but ultimately making the decisions for them. And I think that's shown really well here. Mm. You know, it, I think it'd be cool if they developed into, like, a Kirk, Spock, McCoy type deal. All right. Where, like, you know, Rick is Kirk, uh, Daryl is Spock, mm-hmm. and uh, Carol's McCoy. I feel like Carol might be Spock. Nah, uh, Spock is an outsider. He's an alien. He's a man caught between two worlds. That's Daryl. But Carol is so logical about the way she thinks about things. You think so? Yeah, like we gotta gotta teach the kids to have knives because... I mean, that's why she was banished, effectively. Because of how, like, very serious she takes these things. Mm. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You might be right. But I I can't see Daryl being McCoy either. her, Her crippling fear of transporters is what threw me. Yeah, so she does have that. Uh, Carol goes up to the at- or sorry, Carl goes up to the attic where he finds a clubhouse, you know, DVD player and comic books and all sorts of stuff. Why? Why, other than to throw in two minutes of tension that didn't really work, did they throw the scene in? Uh, that's a good question. Like it, on subsequent viewings, it read the the nothingness of the scene really hit me. Is it showing that all these kids are very unsupervised? Like. Also making the point about, you know, his dad's protective about the pool table, but he's at work. I but that's what I'm out. saying. Like, that's a completely redundant point. Well, it, it is for Enid. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Because, like I said, they effectively show that these kids are not supervised in sure. the scene where, as you mentioned, that yeah. the kids are kind of like whatever about their parents. Um, so I don't know that we needed this. It's like I, I kind of thought maybe it was trying to illustrate Carl's uh, adjusting to security. Mm-hmm. but there was legitimately noises up there. Yeah. So, but they also were just, I don't know. It, it didn't make sense to me. I don't understand why they threw it in there. Okay. Uh, Michonne brushes her teeth for the first time in years and then tells Rick that she has a good feeling about this place. Uh, and we get kind of a shot of what the entire group is doing here. They kind of mm-hmm. pan across the room. And I like to see, well, I, I'm not sure that I like to see Sasha as a lookout. We saw what happened last time. Um, Abraham though, I think he, can be a good lookout. Sure. Uh, so they've got them watching the windows, and everybody else just kind of relaxing. 
you know, like trying trying to, I think, deal with the situation that they're in now. Right. Like come to terms with it. I don't like that nobody's complaining about the extra precautions. Even Michonne, she's sure. like, you can tell that she isn't full on. Let's trust these people mode. Yeah. But she's also she she also realizes that Rick's making the right call. And it would have been easy for them to just say Michonne's full on in this right now because she was the one pushing for a place to stay. You know? Yeah, I don't feel like maybe the. The one thing this show's doing better than in a Darabont era is I guarantee somebody on the Darabont show would be complaining about how slow it's like, why are why are we not trusting these people? And somebody would huff off and go stay in the other house. And, you well, know, Dale's dead, so there's nobody to huff off anymore. No, that's like there's Dale, there was Lori, there was Andrea, there's all these like gadfly yeah. type people. And now it's like, nope, this, I, this group is a, even down to Eugene, it's a group of survivors. Yeah, they're unified. I like that. Uh, and, and, you know, when Deanna comes in in this next scene, she comments on that. She says, you guys are really a family, you know? You said you were, and now I see you guys are sticking together. Uh, she comments on Rick's face and then says, ooh, you've all got mysterious jobs that I'm yeah. not going to tell you about. Why? So what It's a psychological the... thing. Is it? It's got to be, yeah. Hmm. Like, she's. I think she might still be vetting the people who she hasn't assigned jobs for. And for the other people, she's got them figured out. Huh. They're they're a but why open not tell book. them? I thought well, that there was... she she has told a lot of people. She sure, sure. Told Rick, but Rick and, and Michonne particularly, and Sasha. It's almost like it, there there's an effective way for them to tell us that she's good at reading people because Rick, yeah. in a later scene, says like if we accept these jobs, whatever they are, it's as good as signing the papers. And like somehow mm-hmm. she. Uh, knows that that's a mental hang-up for him, so she's mm-hmm. going to tease the fact she's got a job, but not let him in on it until he's re- yeah. until something happens, the right moment where she can spring it on him, and and he'll accept, almost trick him, mentally uh-huh. trick him into accepting the situation. Yeah, that's no, pretty I, she's, pretty good. She's good. She's good at what she does. Uh, she's not good enough, however, to figure out Mister Dixon, as she calls him. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do you think figures out Mr. Dixon first, Carol or Deanna? Oh, I think Carol's got D- Daryl figured out. You don't completely? think so? Yeah. Completely? Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe. I thought Maybe. That He's still not letting her in, but I, maybe. I would have said she was like 85% of the way there until the last episode where she actually talked to him They're about Beth. Woods. And, yeah. you know, like, I realized what she was to you and... Because that was the one thing I always thought that she didn't understand. Because how could she? She didn't really see them together that much. Well, not only that, but she's now putting together their shared history of abuse and how that made her feel. And so I feel like she, of everyone, has got Daryl the most figured out. Oh, certainly. I wouldn't argue with that at all. And I was like, what else does she need to figure out about him? I don't know. If there's something else she needs to figure out, we haven't seen it either. So Sure. Well, I mean, obviously his x-ray vision or whatever let him see that possum. (laughs) He's not telling her about that. Uh, Rick gets up in the middle of the night. He goes to the kitchen, pulls a knife out of the drawer, cue the strings, and cut. Yep. I'm still not totally sure. Like, I get he has a knife later on, well, but he this... can check out his weapons at the gate. So yeah, but he's not going outside. This is him trying to, like, you know, what if you if um, some, I felt like there was some a life cut advice, scene. some life advice. Uh-huh. You're renting an apartment and or buying a house in an area that's unfamiliar to you. Make sure the knives are sharp. Roll into that neighborhood at about one thirty in the morning. Roll down your car windows and sit there for a half hour. Do are police coming? Are dogs barking? Are people screaming at each other? Uh-huh. Is there loud music? Like that is how you kind of get the pulse of a place. It's a lot harder to keep everything under wraps at night, and that's when it's like you know you want to get some goddamn peace and quiet. 
So I think Rick is doing recon, armed reconnaissance uh, inside the gates. He's not going outside. So is that implied by the scene that we later get of him actually yes. walking around? And that's why I'm saying, like, okay. I think it that works for me in a way that the Carl scene doesn't because it actually kind of puts a mild mystery that is resolved yeah. later in the episode and also kind of layers, you know, the fact that he's been doing this multiple nights. This is something, right. like, it seems like all of the top three... Carol, Rick, and Daryl are casing this joint in different ways, complementary ways. Yeah, and it also makes it a little more interesting when you see that, you know, they've told them to explore. Yeah. And they do go explore during the day, but, you know, they're only going to see the things they really want to see when nobody realizes they're exploring. Exactly. I'm going to explore when I say it's time to explore. Uh, Michonne gets her interview. interview. Uh, These are a series of short interviews with Michonne and and, uh, Carl and Judith and Glenn. Um, and she's asked, you know, are are all of you ready for this? And Michonne, she takes a second, she Hesitates steals herself, and then says, all of us. Now, is she worried about herself not quite being ready for this, or other people in the group not being fit for this? Like, I think a little bit of both. Darryl. I think a little bit of both. Okay. Because I think there's some things about herself that scare her. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's like, you know, that's why she was so intense about, you know, we got to get out of this... You know, we, we can't be out here for much longer. And and mm-hmm. Glenn, too. And, you know, the most obvious one is Daryl. Because I, I seriously don't know how he's ever going to adjust to this thing. I, I Daryl doesn't seem fit for this kind of life. No. I mean, and, maybe, and maybe kid, he can come around. But... I was going to say, maybe the kids will bring him into it. Because he does seem to, like, soften a little bit when he's dealing with children. Uh-huh. And, you know, maybe he can be like the big brother to these guys and that'll be his role. But yeah, yeah he's the one that worries me the most. He'll get his own spinoff. Daryl Dixon, <laughs> possum hunter. Sure. Trapes sure. through the woods. Uh, the, the, she's holding a book here called crime without punishment. I don't know how this relates, but it's basically the story of, uh, a world war two era story where the Soviets roll into Poland and kill like 20,000 people. Uh, put them all to work in labor-style camps. It's it's really weird. I, I don't know. I don't know is what exactly it's telling. Is that fucking with or is that foreshadowing that that's what this is? I can't tell. Uh, I read some stuff on Reddit that is spoilery, and oh. I don't, don't want to talk about it here. But Do you have it in notes? And cause, yeah. uh, I don't. I'm going to have to look it up before the spoiler section. Okay. All right. But, uh, so keep keep the crime without punishment in mind and maybe go look it up All right. if you're interested. Uh, the group goes out to explore. Daryl decides to stay at the house, and then Rick freaks out when he can't find Carl. Sure. Uh, and that causes him, in another Matrix vase moment, to destroy Jesse's children's sculpture. <laughs> he didn't like the eyes. Shit. Yeah, he yeah. hated the eyes. Mm-hmm. You know what? The eyes are shit. This whole thing is going down. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't get an Al's eyes right, then yeah. you got to tear it down and start all over. Uh, and then Jesse takes him over to Carl, who's hanging out with some older people on the on the porch of a house, and asks if Carl can come by because her kid wants to meet him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a line in here where Rick says, uh, thanks for helping me out. I was in the middle of losing my mind. Is that is that supposed to be telling of Rick's mental state here? Like, is he literally going to lose his mind if Carl is gone? I think he might. Uh, yeah. <laughs> With like, Judith, like Carl and Judith. He, he there, gets to safety and then loses Carl and Judith immediately. There's not enough imaginary telephones in the world to deal with that kind <laughs> of psychotic break. Oh, man. Yeah. He's going to have to install three lines into his brain so he can take Ghost Lori, <laughs> Ghost Carl, and Ghost Judith all at the same time. Uh-huh. 
Ghost Judith never screams until it, it's <laughs> then required. She won't, will not stop screaming. On his phone rings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else on that scene? Uh, no. Okay. Carl meets the the town's other kids, um, Ron, Mikey, and Enid. And Ron and Mikey seem like they're pretty happy here, but Enid does not. She doesn't talk much. Um, like Carl. Carl doesn't talk much here. Yeah, but Carl's not a dick. Enid's being, I mean, it's one thing to be withdrawn, but she's just being... Up front, she is. I think over the course of this scene, when she sees him reacting in similar ways that maybe she did when she first arrived, nah, she, not buying she it. softens. Not buying it, because... Really? After she says, because she says something, I forget, it's like, suck it up, buttercup, after she does that. But I think that's that's a cover. She's yeah, trying I mean, to say, oh, I, well, I'm not softening. Sure, you. this is this is a, uh, I don't know what the opposite of a meat cute is, a meat shitty. Uh, I feel like that uh, Carl is in the early stages of Twitter Patient. Sure. And she is also, mm-hmm. and I'm very, very hopeful that this does not turn into a dumb teenager plot, like every <laughs> fucking television show. Every, like, aside uh-huh. from... Man, I can't even think of a show that does teenagers justice. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Or or has them do stuff that's not just willfully endangering everybody. Like, you know, interesting. It, it's not like a young adult fiction. Like, this is just kind of, I don't know, par for the course. My secret identity. Uh, All right, let's move on. Carl and Judas interview. It's very short here, but he admits that he killed Lori to Deanna. Um, you know, not, which is not, not just that exactly his, that he lost truth. his mother, but he killed her. Yeah, Lori was dead, wasn't she? Uh, it's tough to say. It's tough to say. I mean, potentially, yeah, he could have been putting her out of her misery and actually killing her at that point, even though she was dying, certainly, if not dead. I just thought I remembered her being dead when everyone left the room, but maybe not. I think I think you're right. Which I don't think he's lying. He still had to shoot what he considered his mother. Okay, you know, I'm just saying that it it's felt semantics. to me like he was um, in, embellishing it a little bit for you know, which is <laughs> I think that's entirely within his character to do. Uh huh. So yeah. I just thought you know I was just wondering if you felt that too. Uh, not quite. Okay, that's all right. Uh, Carl asks Rick what he thinks of this place, and then Rick says, you know, it seems nice. Carl replies he doesn't want him to get weak there, which is a concern, I think, for a lot of this group. Yeah, old man on. Carl here, he's worried about, like, uh, you know, what will hot water and video games and clean clothes do to you? Yeah. it's It could make them unsuitable for the outside world. Sure. And if they ever have to go back out in it, bad news. I wonder how you keep that edge in this type of, like, the governor... His plan with zombie extreme games and stuff like that is fully insane. Yeah, but I wonder if uh, you don't do something like uh, like like what Eric and Aaron are doing, you don't rotate that out and make it everyone like you know yeah, not yeah. the old folks, not the the kids, but sure. if you're an able bodied adult, you have to do compulsory outdoor service, hmm. like go out and not just for like a patrol, but go out for like weeks, yeah, and then come back survival, yeah, like for a while. like. You know, ten percent of the population's got to be outside the walls, skirmishing and stuff like that. I think that would be interesting. And it, they might hint to that because Aiden later on says it is telling Glenn and Tara and uh, Noah about his system. He's saying he knows about the flares. He he knows that system very well, and it doesn't seem like they're going out in 
in groups mm-hmm. like that. So maybe he has been through the process of scouting the same way that uh, Aaron and, and Eric did. Hmm. I mean, the, yeah, some of their system is is good and smart, but some of it is just stupid. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would like to see. Yeah, that's that's why I think it's so excited. Like, there's so many possibilities of how you set up a, you know, a bridge between the apocalypse and whatever form of civilization gets rebooted, mm-hmm. and like, how do you set that up, and how are you going to deal with when people butt heads, or what if Rick and Deanna have a difference of opinion about what is safe or best for the group? That is super, <laughs> and and like, yeah. not in a governor versus Rick, mm-hmm. like two reasonable people that genuinely want what's best in a you know humanistic sense of the word for the group yeah but they have different experiences and they're dealing with different interpretations of facts i think that's super cool it's it's a way to an, analyze politics in a preposterous situation okay i like it uh rick's standing at the window at night michonne wakes up goes over there and talks to him uh, and this is kind of the line where he talks about signing the papers and that that's it. This is how it is now if they sign those. And they're both very afraid to do that, yeah. even though they don't admit it. Yeah. They're both standing awake at a window at night, so come on. Yeah. Uh, then r- next day, Rick goes out for a walk. He meets Jesse's... Or, sorry, not this next is day. This night, la- yeah. Later at night, he goes out for the walk. He meets Jesse's husband, who welcomes him to Alexandria in the most menacing way possible. He's got a bad case of the Donald Trump face, too. <laughs> I don't I don't trust him. This guy seems faces, like yeah. we, we mentioned on the instant cast, but this guy seems like Ed Coltier 2.0. Mm-hmm. Carol Husband 2.0. I, th- I think she's like Pelletier or something. Pelletier. Pel- yeah, whatever. I, I don't know. Carol P. Carol P. Yeah, Ed P 2.0, uh, which I didn't get at all that from Jesse. Which I mm-hmm. guess the first time I met Carl, like I didn't until I saw her interact with Ed, I didn't get the oh, that's what's going on here. She just seemed like a nice, friendly, cheerful, helpful sure. person. Like I cleaned yeah. your clothes and this that, and it wasn't until you got to see her interact under the baleful gale of Ed, yeah, gaze rather of Ed. Um, so maybe that's that's what's going on here. But I was genuinely Could surprised mm-hmm. when we met whatever this guy's name because he didn't even. No. introduced it's like i know you uh, you don't know me uh, welcome to alexandria but yeah it's like i was genuinely shocked it's like oh oh she's that's that's what's on the table i mean it's i think that's where they're going i mean he could also just kind of be a general uh asshole i don't know yeah like a i general said i can also see uh, to be fair maybe he's not abusive maybe he's just gonna be mad at uh jesse being familiar with rick because i can see why a dude would be upset uh, for his wife to render an intimate service to another man, like without, like I don't know, haircutting is yeah. That's what I'm saying. Service? It's like you're fucking cutting hair. Yeah, it's not like the scene from Michael where you know she's like really lathering up the dude and going to town. You've not seen that. I haven't seen Michael. No. Who is that? John Travolta as an angel. Oh, oh no, no, oh, it's not that. It's the other fucking supernatural Michael uh, uh, movie where he. Uh, Get some kind of ESP special powers from some bullshit. Okay, I don't sure. know. I haven't the seen phenomenon. that one either. That's the phenomenon. Yeah, I haven't seen either of those. Anyway, you, you've seen sexy shave scenes though, right? That's like the yeah. That's like the yeah. male version of the pottery scene from Ghost. Sure, I gotcha. So, and there was a little bit of that with the Rick and Jesse scene. Uh huh. But no, you you can't. Yeah, that's that's being a little bit too jealous. All right. He's definitely. I got him. I got him pegged as an asshole. Plus, he looks like Donald Trump. QED. <laughs> 
<laughs> so then we get Carol's interview, and she is pretending to be nice and normal and mousy. Uh, she <laughs> and I miss but. that. There's not a day that goes by I don't miss that stupid, wonderful man. Oh my god! How can she even say that with this good acting? Good acting. Yeah, Carol. and there's such a sparkle in Melissa McBride's eyes when she's doing it too. Uh-huh. It's. I loved the hell out of that scene and her earlier thing. Like, do, do you think she has Deanna fooled? Do you think she's that good? Well, um, on the other hand, if she has Deanna fooled, then Deanna, it kind of undermines Deanna's uh, beta Z, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, her mastermind read status. people. Yeah. Uh, if she doesn't have her fooled and we somehow subtly realize that Deanna's been onto her the whole time, it then elevates her to a whole other level. Sure. And I could see it going either way. Because I think Deanna is not quite master of all she surveys, and maybe she even realizes that. There might be a little tightness and panic around the edges of her character saying that, like, man, this is a powder keg that could go. Uh-huh. I need some beef on my side. Yeah, she's going to have to deal with Daryl one way or another, and she doesn't get him at all. Uh, anyway, Carol walks out on the porch. She's had, she's had beef. She needs beef on her side, not possum. Oh, she could she could do without possum. Daryl's the beef. <laughs> you think Daryl's the beef? beef Daryl, yeah. Rick's the beef. Michonne's the beef. Sure, all of them are beef. Abraham's enough beef for two people. <laughs> and then Eugene. Well, he's that's marbled, thoroughly beef. marbled. Yeah, <laughs> well marbled. Uh, Carol walks out onto the porch in her new clothing, and Daryl. Uh, <laughs> she tells Daryl to take a shower, and then he yells back, "You look ridiculous." Yeah, no, this... which was awesome. It's great. It's great. The look on his face when she comes out there is priceless. Yeah, take a shower and wash your vest. <laughs> uh-huh. No, that's great. I like everything between these two guys. Yeah. Uh, Glenn's interview. He he says, you know, we need to make this work because we were almost out there too long. And that's a sentiment they've been building for this the this half season, certainly. Yeah, Glenn, man. Yeah. Glenn. Uh, He's I, at his breaking point. Yeah. I I've, I'm starting to turn the corner back around on Glenn. He's doing good work this this half season. Yeah. Well, they're giving him something good to do. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> can't do anything with what they gave him last season. Sure. Uh, Rick goes outside the gates, and Carl watches Enid go over the wall. Uh, he's like, "Oh, look, a girl who likes to sneak out, kindred spirit." External wall supports, man. Uh huh. It's weird. It's it's weird. I mean, it's not just, like, dumb from, like, an attacker could just cut these supports mm-hmm. and that then you're, you know, what do you got? You got a, a, a wall that you can push over. Uh-huh. But from a zombie perspective, it feels like that you want your supports to be under compression, mm-hmm. not tension. Like, you don't want the zombies pushing against this and it's and the only thing that's saving you is a couple bolts. You want that that bulk of that steel reinforcing it. See, if it was hot rolled steel, you'd be right. But it's cold <laughs> rolled, so everything's opposite when it's cold yeah. rolled steel. Yeah. I just what the fuck? Why? <laughs> Why would they fuck that up, man? I don't know. There's don't not a know. single person building that set that's like, you know, we really should put these on the other side. Maybe they got halfway done with it and we're like, no, nah, it's too well, late. Someone on Reddit suggested, well, maybe it was a filming thing. The supports on the inside would, would, would cause it to be too tight. And I'm like, well, then fucking move the walls eight foot further out. Like, this is just stupid. <laughs> this is yeah. really stupid. And I, you either want me to think that uh, Deanna's architect husband's a moron, uh-huh. which I'm prepared to believe, or that you yourselves building the set are morons. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I don't either. Maybe they'll retcon it later. 
anyway, Glenn, Tara, and Noah meet Aiden and Nicholas, who uh, are taking them outside the gates to show them the ropes on their new jobs. They hand them some sweet-ass biscuits, <laughs> which I, I can't help but laugh every time I hear that. Yeah, I wonder, do you think that some of this stuff is deliberate? Like, when they... What, this is tongue-in-cheek, man. Him saying sweet-ass biscuits is not to be cool. So you don't think that this guy is unironically saying sweet-ass biscuits? No, I believe that this character is. I do not believe that the writers are unironically writing sweet-ass biscuits but the, into their dialogue. I, I, I'm starting to think that they're, like, they've are they got a long history of the donkey licked and sweet-ass biscuits yeah, and those fist are bumping. All... And, like, they've got a... If they're good at one thing, they're good at really honing in on annoying character traits. <laughs> I don't know if that's what I would hang my hat on as a writer, but sure. goddamn, this show is masterful yeah. at it. Like, I wanted yeah. this man to die within seconds. With those, <laughs> he didn't even have the word sweet at. He got the sweet at, and I wanted him to die. Yeah. I mean, well, just, I and think... the way they, they dressed him in a members-only jacket, mm-hmm. and they gave him, like, some kind of princeton haircut i mean you just want to punch uh-huh. this guy in the face for sure uh and, no i'm with and you we at least got that far before the episode is over he did get a nice punch in the face he did and i'm i was cheering during that part yes we were uh carl follows enid into the woods but loses her when she runs off uh what what's up carl is a terrible tracker he's been out in these woods living with daryl fucking dixon for years now and mm-hmm. he's still a terrible tracker in woods where there is no problem with visibility, really, you got yep. a couple of slim trees. Maybe Ian is that good? Jesus, she come stole. On. She, she's got a possum cloaking device, <laughs> and she has clicked that on, and boom, she's gone. Yeah, maybe this is going to go full sci-fi, and this town is just—they have the military tech that Washington D.C. has been working on. No, what happened is Carl like was all set to learn. Shane's world famous frog hunting technique, mm-hmm. and he saw what a joke and farce it was that he decided that everyone claiming expertise is full of shit. So, like, you know, like I'm not going to bother learning from Daryl's tracking because it's going to be banging buckets and getting wet, and my mom being pissed at me. He, so now he just says, "Tell it to the frogs." Every That's time exactly. Somebody yeah. tries to teach him a thing. He's like, "Let me show you how to track a deer in a creek bed." <laughs> Tell it to the frogs, Daryl. <laughs> Tell it to the frogs. <laughs> Let me know if you find a giant can of pudding. All right. All right. Yeah, he could track pudding like you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick's spotted by a group of walkers while he's uh, strolling outside the gates. He mostly ignores them on his way to pick up the blender gun, which has gone missing. Uh, big problem. Carl joins up with him, and they kill the walkers who followed Rick. Yeah, he can't track Enid, but he is, like, uh, right on his dad. Yeah, I think he just stumbled on him, you know? Okay. Uh this is an interesting wrinkle in the story. This this could be saying something isn't right here. Uh, this could be saying there are outside forces at play. Sure. We know later uh, earlier on, Deanna said she had to banish three people. What happened to those people? Are they running around, keeping tabs? We just don't know. Did Enid take the gun? I mean, a lot of people are speculating, you know, Enid was out there at the same time Rick was getting the gun, maybe, uh, or or hiding the gun last episode. Uh-huh. Maybe she saw it and took it. Yeah, because she's she's kind of stealthy. Like, yeah, uh, I when we first met her, I wondered if she wasn't a hallucination because like Carl looked over his shoulder, saw her, and then Michonne like I think yeah. walked past and she was gone. Mm-hmm. She's like fucking Batman. So mm-hmm. I could totally see her um, on. Yeah, it seems like that, that's the most sensible suggestion of who it was. Now, is Enid inside the walls with a gun a scary proposition? Doesn't seem like it to me. 
I don't think she's going to try to run around and kill people, although I don't know her backstory enough, right? That's Maybe the, thing. She's, the people who were exiled were related to her. They're, or... they're, they're using the uh, disturbed teen yeah. ske- character sketch uh tropes and i feel like that's maybe i don't know that's not very interesting possibility to me so i hope they don't go there Mm. but um i can't i don't know maybe that's how she proves she's on rick's side gives him the gun maybe like there'll be a power struggle and she can be the one or maybe carl convinces her to give her dad so he's got the upper hand i I don't know r2d2 rick's gun to him (laughs) yeah sure all right uh anyway rick uh sorry aiden tells Tara, Noah, and Glenn about their system and how they lost four people last month. And then he tells them he's in charge. He takes him to where he had a walker chained up. It has escaped, and then it comes back to almost kill the entire group because these guys are dumbasses. Mm. Yeah, this guy. This guy. This did give us zombie kill of the week, and it's got to be zombie kill of the week because of the skin-ripping scene. It's the only zo- well, other than Sasha is the only zombie we saw killed. No, no, that's not true. Rick, Rick did the carpetbagger in. As yeah, well. Rick and Carl killed a few of them. But they they did a full body degloving of this uh, zombie. It was disgusting. Yes, and it I, was. I love disgusting zombie kills. And I watched the behind the scenes on how they shot this, and it was just they got a real thin actor. I was built say, him that up, dude. That's then, the the subsequent watch. I was just mesmerized by like, damn, this is Bicycle Girl two point This dude. Yeah is at an unhealthy weight. <laughs> and he has layers of stuff on him. He has guts as yeah. one layer, and then skin as another layer. Yeah, I feel like as an actor, you've got Auschwitz extra in mm. like a Steven Spielberg movie production. Uh-huh. Uh, and then and you've got Walker Walking on the Dead Walking extra. Dead. Uh-huh. And that's about it. That's about it, man. Sure. Uh, I, I really was struck by watching this behind the scenes what it must be like to have these kinds of makeup jobs running around the set. Like, it was pretty freaky, and I'm sure you get used to it. I'm sure it's something you adapt to, but it was just weird seeing a full-on made-up zombie roaming around and kind of, you know, acting like a zombie between takes. Well, imagine them at the craft service table. I know, yeah. Like, he's like, you know, you got this guy who just looks disgusting, and he's Uh like, uh, you know, shoveling biscuits and gravy and a fruit tray on his plate, you know? (laughs) Like, what like a skin flakes off and drops into the punch bowl? Like, what? Or his, or his, all of his skin comes off into the punch bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Marinated. Uh, Anyway, they get back to the city. And uh, a fight breaks out between Aiden and Glenn, and Deanna steps in, yells at her people, and tells Rick uh, about his new job, and Michonne and Daryl as well. Good. He, they, Rick's constable, Michonne and Daryl get to be constables. We all get to be constables. Yep. Why yep. not? Uh, she's the Oprah of handing out badges. Yep. Uh, do you, uh, I thought Glenn was excellent in this scene, too. Oh, yeah. Like, he was not afraid of this guy. Uh-huh. Uh, he did not use excessive force. Daryl's about to use excessive force. Daryl was awesome as Darryl's well. Daryl's about to choke I mean, a bitch. I, I don't know why, but I love this like caged animal thing Daryl's got going on. When Rick has to talk him down from the edge, he's about to kill this guy. Yeah. He he gets him off, and then Daryl's just back there like pacing and staring at the guy. Like it, You feel like Daryl could snap at any moment and sure. just take somebody out. Sure. It's, it's awesome. And that just further reinforces the idea that he is not suitable in this place. He is much more comfortable outside. Yeah. I, yes. But on the other hand, I don't think his uh, reaction was unwarranted. This no. dude just yeah. punched a person you've been through hell with uh-huh. back. So <laughs> sure. And you don't you know this guy. You risk your life 
countless times to save them and mm-hmm. vice versa. And he's in a members only jacket. It, so how much? Yeah, I was gonna say the guy starts off the day punchable as fuck. Uh, yep. All you can do opening his mouth is increase that punch <laughs> that punchability index. So yep, you're right. I don't know what, what you do with the guy. Uh, also, Carl then assumes in this scene that Enid doesn't like him. She doesn't say anything. I don't think that's true. Uh huh. I think Enid is uh, not letting on to her interest in Carl. Hmm. Okay. Um, it, and it was... Well, let's go to the flashback with Rick's interview. Um, the, uh, the audio is kind of playing while he's showing off his new duds as sheriff, his new outfit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daryl and Carol think they're going to get weak if they settle in, but Rick assures them that they won't and then says, uh, if they can't make it, we'll just take this place. Yeah. And so what did you think of Daryl and Carol's reaction? Because that's why I was watching on my repeat views. Mm-hmm. I felt like that Carol was alarmed and Daryl was pleased. Okay. I could buy that. Okay. You didn't have any takes on that? No, I, I didn't really notice it. Honestly. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that is, I mean, I feel like we're underselling this moment. <laughs> sure. No, it's, it's a big moment. And I, you know, they're, this dialogue that Rick has in his interview is kind of speaking to what Deanna is trying to do, I think. Like, she's trying to get someone to help her live. And it's also, survive. like, he's trying to tell her in his interview the whole time, like, you shouldn't let people in. Like, mm-hmm. even good people are bad people nowadays. And yeah. it's all what we can take from you. And she's just like, oh, it sounds like you're already looking after this place. And he's like, mm-hmm. ugh. So I think it's interesting that... What does Rick's crew look like as the small B, the, the the lowercase B bad guys? Sure, definitely. I mean, who is he looking out for? Is he looking out for this place or is he looking out for his own group? Oh, he's th- looking this out for line, his own group. Certainly, certainly. I mean, and this place in the sense of the walls yeah. and the hot water and the electricity. But, I mean, Rick would be lying if he said he gave a shit about any of these people. Sure. And uh, well, for good reason. Although I think he's warming up a little bit to Deanna. Do you? I think so. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, I mean, he did accept her job, which is as, as, as much as saying he accepts her. But then we get the creepy scene with the scary synth music where he yeah, says, if these people don't work out, what do you think he means by that? I like, think what he... is his is are now we going to be seeing uh, is it is it turn out Aaron had things backwards and now Alexandria is auditioning for Rick? Oh, I think that's what it was from the start, honestly. Mm. Like, Deanna basically says, we're we're having you here hoping that you will be able to show us how to protect ourselves. Mm. In in not as many words, but... Huh. Yeah, I, just, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this goes and, like, yeah. how far, like, what is going to be Rick's, uh, you know, tipping point? Mm-hmm. What is something that they could do to uh, warrant being taken over? Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that look like? Like, if we talk about instant cast, is like, a, is that a full on coup where you exile, uh, Deanna and her douchebag son? Is that I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm invested. <laughs> I'm fully invested in this in this season now. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for because I just episodes. feel like you know we've got what's going on in Enid. Mm-hmm. We've got how is Daryl going to adjust in the group? How is the group going to adjust to having all these badasses around? How are Rick and Michonne going to effectively police this uh, place and how does putting Rick in charge of this law and order going to affect Deanna's uh, balance of power? Yep. Uh, what's going on with Jesse says there's like, 
plenty of plot to go around for four more episodes. So, like, it seems unlikely that they could generate a boring one. So yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, I don't know what's going on in seasons from now, but they've got a lot of really excellent building blocks for plot now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got a we 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 swapped out our plot engine, like we've been talking about. <laughs> all We're right, fi- firing on all cylinders. That's it for the episode. All right, before we get to feedback, we have a sponsor this week that we need to talk about. Uh, a sponsor you're probably familiar with. It's Audible. We talk about Audible all the time because we like Audible, uh, and because you know. They, they want us to talk about them. And I, I, frankly, I'm okay talking about a product that I like. Yeah, I'm a, I use Audible. It's the only way I was able to catch up on Game of Thrones before <laughs> last season because I, I had the yeah. marathon Feast of Crows, Dance of Dragons, not small books. No. But I'm always struggling. It's like, you know, what to come up with for a recommendation for Walking Dead fans because you just search for zombies and there's so much bad stuff. Oh, yeah, there's like, a lot of bad zombie fiction. My Life as a White Trash Zombie was one of the first results, and it's a whole series <laughs> of this punk kind of sexy zombie girl. And I'm like, really? Oh, yeah. No, it's getting weird. I'm not going to listen to that to recommend it. But then I started thinking about experience I had as a teenager. Um, I did a lot of splunking. And one memorable right. time, um, I uh, stayed up all night in a cave Buckner's Cavern in Bloomington, mm-hmm. and I read a Stephen King novel. It was a series of no- uh, novellas called Different Seasons, and it has uh, The Shawshank about... Redemption. Oh, okay. It cool. has Apt Pupil, which was later made into a movie with Ian yep. McKellen as I saw a that. scary Nazi guy. Uh-huh. Uh, the Body, which you probably know better as Stand By Me, and the one that stuck with me the most is The Breathing Method. I, was, I think I've told this story once or twice in a podcast hmm. before, but I thought it was the Bachman books. Yeah, yeah. And when I was looking for the breathing method, I realized it was this other uh, novel instead. And I, I got to say, reading a Stephen King novel by candlelight <laughs> in a cave is a sublimely terrifying experience. No, I wouldn't have guessed. And I think the only thing I could do better is ditch the candle, put mm-hmm. in some nice quality earbuds, yeah. and listen it to be read to me by an excellent narrator on uh, audible.com. What is the book about? Uh well it's well what is that particular story in the, the book breathing about? method yeah it's a bittersweet uh supernatural horror story about a mother that gets decapitated in a automobile accident and delivers birth oh and gives okay birth. all right I was waiting for the sweet part I guess that's the end the baby uh, lives <laughs> yeah 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 but anyway yeah so I'm like that that would be if if I could do it over again I'd bring Audible. Uh, into the cave with me and have it and read and just just completely get rid of the lights and then I don't even know if I could stand it. Sure. But uh, it's not just that. I mean, there is almost damn near the complete works of Stephen King unabridged. Uh, yeah. Classics like The Stand, uh, Misery, mm-hmm. It, all those stuff. And I think, I mean, just just throw the covers over your head, turn off the lights, and listen to what yeah. it is. It's going to hit you right in the horror bone. Oh man, I love that. Nothing better than you know turning off the lights and really getting into a piece of horror fiction. And here's the best part. You can try any one of these things for free. How do they do that, Jim? Yep. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove, and you get you can sign up for uh, a trial, and you get a free audiobook download with that. They have over, if you're not a fan of Stephen King, even, uh, you're not a fan of horror, they have over 150,000 titles. So plenty of stuff to choose from on there. Uh, go check it out, audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove. Yep. Why don't we get into some feedback? 
If you'd like to give us feedback, you can do so at watchingdead at baldmove.com and on our forums at forums.baldmove.com where you can participate in discussions with your fellow fans. Let's get to, we got a ton of it, so let's get to it. David C. uh, has a general podcast question that I get asked from time to time and I always forget to talk about. He says, one of the things I love about your Game of Thrones podcast is you do an extremely good job of keeping us non-book readers up to date on things the show is fixing or changing without spoiling anything for future shows. Why can this not be done with the Walking Dead comics? I would be fascinated to find out what differences between the show and the book have been so far without being spoiled. According to the cast, so far they're drastically changing lots of storylines of the comic for the show. I thought we had mostly been doing that, but I no, guess not. because here's the thing. There are... The Game of Thrones seems like that they mm-hmm. do sometimes deviate, but it's usually to condense things and mm-hmm. then the deviation makes sense when you get to the end of the season i can very i can easily say in the book this person did x in the yeah. show they did y or they combined this character to have them do y because they needed to end up at the same location z mm-hmm. walking dead just doesn't give a fuck like i've seen them take material that probably logistically if we're talking about the series the comic book series should have been used in seasons two and three and used it later i've seen them advance stuff from much later in the story and use it earlier i've seen them introduce characters with the same name and have them act radically different Mm -hmm. i've seen them you know i it's so over the map and also i'd be scared to death to say well in the comics this happened and in the series this happened because i think that kirkman uh, we'll probably use that alternate history some other time yeah. in the future. So I think the times where we talk about it is like when a character dies, we talk about maybe like how their death happened in the comics. Yeah, and but even that's like tricky that. because they like look. They recycle character deaths too. Yeah, sure. Like a good example, Tyrese was a badass that rivaled Rick for control of the group, and not rivaled in like constant power struggle, but there was some of that element, and he was. You know, he had this interesting arc where he's protective of his daughter and he experienced a lot of loss there. And he had these like complex relationships with other people that had all these. But how do you talk about that? Because that wasn't Tyrese in the the TV show at all. And a lot of that stuff, like I don't want to mention too many of those plot points because they might roll it in. And Father Gabriel have some of these arcs. Who the hell knows? So it confound. I mean, the only way you can really participate is to listen to those spoiler section. Mm -hmm. But then... You know, Katie. Then you're going to get all the spoilers. Yeah, right. It's I think I don't know. It's like it's almost like if once the show goes off production, Mm -hmm. you could talk about some of the things they did better to missed opportunities. But it's much harder. Whereas in Game of Thrones, they pretty much start and end the season exactly the way the corresponding books began and end. Like they do some things in the middle, but you always come back to the end. So they got that launching point that I don't know where that, you know, putting everything back in the same universe would happen here in the walking dead. Sure. So that's why, um, increasingly I'm not even talking about the comics because I've gotten feedback where it just annoys people for me to say like, well, the comics did it better. Hmm. Um, so it's like, I'm just keeping all that in the spoiler section. Anyway. Um, thanks for asking that though, David, uh, Brian DLR said how much clean shower sex went on, on the first night. Zero. Who's having shower sex? Well, maybe not co-op. Maggie mode, and Glenn? But, but I bet there's maybe? some solo high scores set. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I Rick think... had his back turned to us, and as he decides pasty weight at white ass, who knows? Sure, he's got one hand on the wall. He's He yeah, might be going at that's, it. That's, 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 that's assuming the position. The position. Yeah. 
That is the shower <laughs> jerk position. You're absolutely right. Sure. <laughs> so at least one person, Brian. At least one. Uh, Max or Nick M said, uh, "Hey guys, um, I feel like Carol's playing- and the pubes left in that shower by Rick. Of course. I mean, if you see what's on his face, just imagine. I mean, there was a lot of manscaping Oof. that had to go down south of the border. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Nick M says, "I feel like Carol is playing possum right now to make herself appear not to be a threat. In reality, the group and all of us at home know how dangerous she really is. And Daryl is also holding a possum in interview. What do you think, Jim? Is that clever?" Carol's playing yeah. possum while Daryl's killing possums. Sure. Is Daryl going sure, to have to kill Carol? Yeah, with will, the possum. Will Carol have a possum cloaking device? Potent- probably, yeah. Uh, I thought that was amusing. <laughs> Max P. from Winnipeg said, you guys spoke briefly a podcast or two back about how Scott Gimple might be trying to pick up the pieces from these last seasons and is probably trying to tie up loose ends from the Darabont era. I didn't th- think about it too much at first, which is my default recommendation for everybody in the relationship with this podcast. Mm-hmm. But after watching last week's episode of the Dale RV Nudge, and now this week's episode, I think you might have been onto something. It seems like the writers are bringing characters around full circle to the way they were when we met them in season one. Maybe this is a way for them to tie up loose ends and send off characters on completely new trajectories. Rick's visual transformation serves to demonstrate this idea. We see Carol putting on an act which probably pulls from who she remembers being around the time we met her in season one. Daryl's looking far less stable when placed in the context of civil society. Uh, and which is more or less how I felt about him in season one when everything was going to shit. As the world became more chaotic, he became more stable. Glenn is being nudged towards the role of reconnaissance and supply gathering, much like he was when he met Rick in the tank. Carl finally meets a girl his age. Um, I could go on, but I think you guys get what I'm saying. Let's just hope that Michonne doesn't become anything like Shane in her new role. (laughs) Interesting, because, yeah, her and Rick are both police officers now. Yeah. What do you think of this theory uh, that we are basic? This is a way to kind of reset the characters and contrast them from season one uh, to season five and then as a springboard to go forward as storytelling possibilities. Yeah, that works. I, I think now is kind of the time. If they're going to have these people have any return to normalcy, I think now's the time. We've been out in the wilderness a very long time. These people have been thoroughly affected. So seeing them try to adapt works now. All right. um, and, and yeah, if they want to kind of reset a little bit, I think it's a good time. No, I like it too. And I think there's, uh, you know, clearly there are a lot of season one callbacks. Oh, yeah. And that would be super. I think, I hope that that would be a way for them to then move forward onto a whole new chapter of Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. The whole, you know, wandering phase is over, which I, you know, I was one of the big proponents of the wandering phase. You were. Yeah. Super disappointed in the wandering phase. <laughs> like, the only thing worse than nothing happening in a single location is nothing happening over a bunch of locations I don't care about. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Devin from Northern Virginia, or Novi, as the people to know call it. Let me start off by saying I'm t- t- typically very lenient with TV shows, mainly because I'm a meticulous completionist. Once I start a TV show and watch more than four episodes, I feel obligated to sit through yeah. the entire series no matter how good, bad, or stagnant it gets. I'm with you. I am not. Oh, man, I am. <laughs> uh, once a show, I'm out on a show, I don't, and I don't feel bad about it. Like, I was a huge X-Files fan, abandoned it right after the season, after the first movie hit. Huh. Lost. I noped that halfway through season two over the whole. That's one I haven't finished yet. I yeah. see I, what well, I do is well, I broke me. 
Yeah, I, I can see why. Uh, what I do is I end up like watching a bunch of episodes and then like if I get distracted or have something that I have to do that takes me off of it, I do come back to it. Like it's always just kind of there nagging me like, man, you got to see the end of this. Yeah. But yeah. Um, He goes, yes, I'm one of those bastards that contributes to the continued blight of terrible TV. TV. I'm sorry. All this to say, up until this episode, I was getting to the point of considering dropping The Walking Dead for my watch list, something I would never do. <laughs> the plot was stale, the cast huge, 85% of that huge group was left wandering around with absolutely nothing to do and nothing to contribute to any of the plot. Rosita has literally contributed nothing to the show. Tara, Eugene, Abraham, Gabriel, and Noah all had one tiny little scrap of plot at the introduction of their characters, but have also had nothing to do for multiple episodes. I would go so far as to say the cast is too large, so large that everyone becomes just a background character. But this episode has finally brought a fresh story to the mix and given the characters a long overdue definition, roles, and purpose. This isn't the same old Paradise Turns Out to Be Wishful Thinking plot of Woodbury or Terminus. Do you agree with that? Is it half is of it the characters soon? half the characters didn't do anything? No, I'm talking about episode, do you think so. that this is it's it's that that we are not going to get a Woodbury 2.0? Oh, is it too soon to call that? Um, I this doesn't give me the Woodbury vibe, but at the same time, neither did Woodbury up front. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, imagine Woodbury with the exact same situation, except for the governor is basically a good dude. Sure. He's that's, still that's got the renegade protectors and yeah. the people that are kind of soft and complacent and wanting to bread. It'd be cool to have like the same thing only with a different power structure. Okay, which I, they kind of touched on a little bit with Slabtown, except for Dawn was uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, this is our survivors messing up civilization by being away from it too far or too long. This is them being the monsters. They are the ones to undo paradise by giving into the wild sides. The good guys have become the bad guys that we root for, and this is compelling as all hell. We have proven that the survivors can never go back to the way things were, can never get the grit and grime out of their souls by replacing them back into the season one roles. And by putting them back in their season one roles and outfits, especially with Carol and Rick, we can see who they are, uh, or who, ah, we can see who they are can never be who they were. They become entirely different people. Wild people wearing the shells of their past life as a mask of protection to blend in with the weak. Uh, This new and unique set of tensions, both between the groups and within the groups, is a much... Uh, is a long overdue welcome, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but this episode gives me hope that The Walking Dead can pull a 180 and be great, or at least good television show now and again. You know, unless they burn down the place, kill everyone, get overrun by walkers, and move on in two episodes like they did the last time, and the time before that, and the time before that, but we'll mm-hmm. see. For the prison, it took two seasons. But... Yeah, I was going to say, two episodes, <laughs> try two seasons. Uh-huh. Uh I broadly, I, I agree with this. Not even broadly. I, yeah. I agree with almost and 100% of this stuff. Yeah, I like it. I, I want to see a different path forward for The Walking Dead. Yeah, this, this can just straight up be another Woodbury rehab. God, I hope not. I hope not. That would be so disappointing. Yeah. Anyway, Jill G said, regarding a comment on the instant take about the defenses around the town, I think that when they went up to the supports, uh, they were on the outside because it's intended to keep out walkers only. Deanna said that her husband architect planned it, and this would have been in the early days. Things are a lot different a couple years in than they were at the beginning. The walker's only part of the issue, the fact that the bigger the dangers are to other humans. Wait, the fact is the bigger danger are other humans. Mm -hmm. If this had been the danger when the fence had gone up, I'm sure they would have planned differently. It doesn't seem like he's around to make any more new plans. 
Yeah, except for it's still against. Imagine a massive herd of walkers. Yeah, like you know, put up a piece of plywood and nail some two befores to the backside of it at a forty-five degree angle and try to push against it, and then go around to the other side and push against it. <laughs> it's an entirely different experience. It's just, yeah. and this guy's an architect. Like that kind of made it worse. <laughs> Like you should fucking know better. Yep. I I mean I What what if they had had supports on the outside of those barn doors? On the outside of the barn, yeah. it wouldn't have done a damn bit of difference. <laughs> exactly. It wouldn't have. Exactly. Some two befores on the inside of those barn doors would have yep. been a whole di- different different deal. So mm-hmm. there you go. But there this show's always like I've always laughed, like, um, watching Carl and Rick try to secure a, 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 a building or a house or a, a barn. Why do you laugh or a about church? that? Because they just do stupid stuff. Like, they nail two-befores into the doors instead of into the, like, supports on the walls. Oh, to secure, not clear. Okay. No, it's like yeah, yeah. they... I Man, there's nobody in the show that has any kind of basic practical carpentry or material... I mean, I'm not, like, a material science guy. I'm not an engineer. Mm-hmm. But I've I've swung a hammer and built some shit. Like I wonder if the guys building the sets are just like you know, my God, look <laughs> at these blueprints. Look uh-huh. at what they're having us build. Like <laughs> you, you know, it's like these crafts guys are actually there with the you know air hammers and all that shit. Yeah, like they gotta know that this is stupid. <laughs> anyway, I guess. Um, Chad H. With the group being skeptical of Alexander, don't you think that Rick or any of the other groups would mention of what happened at Terminus? I feel like someone should have said something along the lines of the last group that took us in tried to eat us and we slaughtered every last one of them. Any thought on that? Did you think that the interviews were fairly bland? I think the interviews showed us exactly what the episode wanted to show us of those interviews. Yeah, that's a fair point. Those interviews are much longer. She didn't take Carl in there, sit him down with Judith and ask him one question. Yeah, I still thought it was interesting that... They maybe they're playing it close to the vest, but they didn't really give a lot of practical experience for things that they encountered on the outside, which you, you're yeah. right. I mean, maybe they take it for granted that they got into all that. Uh, Corey E said, One, give you guys a heads up that a clip and magazine are not interchangeable words, especially after you rant about Route 16 and 23. Man, this is something mad brew. I used to drive mad brew crazy, and this is also a thing like I'm a gun lover, not a fancier. I don't give a shit. They're as interchangeable as they need to be for the layperson. How about yeah, that? Yeah, like this, <laughs> like this, this was this war was lost back in the doom days where everything was called, you know, clips and magazines are used interchangeably. Like I know mm-hmm. the difference, but I kind of use them interchangeably myself, and I'm one of the guys contributing to the ignorance of the society but so for the people who do want to know a magazine has a sleeve no so like a gun has a magazine if it holds more than one shot okay a clip is what you use to like like imagine like a world war one era world war two era rifle Mm -hmm. that has like a fixed magazine that you 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 can use a clip which is this little thin strip of metal on the back of the bullets or it somehow holds the the the, The bullets bullets together together, and you jam it down there and it's a way to rapidly load the gun. So it's the thing that you would see Rambo having yes. uh, strapped across his chest. There are magazines that are fixed or magazines that are detachable. So that's like the metal box yeah. that has an assembly that feeds the actual gun. So it's like, okay, there it is a difference. And like if I was at a gun show and I asked for a mag, uh, asked for a clip and they handed me a clip instead of a magazine, I'd be like, haha, you got me. But on television, it's like, I just, I, I just don't care. 
Sure. I just don't yeah. care. So um, I know nothing about guns, so um, whatever. And maybe that's what <laughs> Scott Gimple would tell me about the support issue. Yeah. So fair enough. I just don't care, hey, Ron. I just don't I care. I just don't care. They're fucking support. It's a supported wall. Yeah. I told you it was cold rolled steel. What, what do you want, you motherfucker? <laughs> you get in here and build this set. Uh-huh. I quit. I'm out. Uh, anyway, Nathan P. said, hold on just a second. There are three people that are supposed to be perfect scouts and supply raiders, and these are <laughs> Glenn, Tara, and Noah? Fucking Noah? You mean to tell me that Noah needs to have life-altering leg surgery in one episode and then can go out on raids in the next? This is the same guy who managed to get blocked up on a fucking oh, patio. Man. And I seem to remember the last time he was one of in one of Rick's groups by himself. Uh, they got killed. Tyrese, Beth... What's next? Carol fixing her legs in the space of about four hours? <laughs> Abraham becoming immune to zombie slashes? Yep, all of the above. Uh, seriously, what are they doing with Noah? So far, two members have died for this kid who has done pretty much nothing in response or to have filled a role in the group or anything. Is he supposed to be some sort of golden child that keeps getting people killed, or is he going to do something? I think he was supposed to get them to Alexandria. To Richmond? Well, yeah, but in a roundabout way to Alexandria, uh, in in service of the plot. But I so think he is. He it's is a redundant fine to plot die. point because Maggie got there on her own. She's the one that said, "You know, we were going to go to D.C." Mm-hmm. And Eugene was right. You know, he might have been wrong about everything, but he's right about it being a fairly safe bet to be protected. So it's like he does feel like there's no point that he serves. But didn't didn't Noah specifically push him to Alexandria after Richmond? Didn't he tell them about it? No. How did they get there? I forget. They were wait a second. They went to they, they went were driving to his... around and then Aaron found them. They're trying to get to Washington D.C. They got close to Washington D.C. Yeah, and Aaron so. made contact. But so... they never would have gotten to Richmond without. Well, that's saying yes. That's the way this happened in the show. But Maggie's point of we should go to D.C. because it's a good idea anyway would still have stand. You don't need Noah. He's redundant and he's not interesting enough. I mean, all due respect to the younger Chris Rock, you're kind of you're kind of superfluous. Yeah, I I don't know. I felt like he was a plot a plot mechanism that is has served his purpose, and they need to either do something with him or kill him. Yeah, because he's he's got a lot of blood on his hands. I've not oh, yeah. really stopped to think about it, but his jackassery and general lameness. I'm sure he got his dad killed. I'm yeah, sure. no, I'm yeah, that's yeah, he did something stupid. Uh, got stuck under a patio. He got that fucking wicked leg scar somehow. Yep. And it wasn't just like, you know, slipping on ice. No, it was one of those patio umbrellas fell on him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Those folding lawn chairs, man, they're wicked. Uh, You get some skin pinch between there. Yeah, you've ever tried to operate one of those things? They're complicated, too. (laughs) Yeah. They fold in and out. It's too too hard for me. (laughs) Uh, Bookie L said, I really, really like this episode. I'm interested in all the plots that can go down in Alexandria, hearing the stories of the residents. Perhaps a flashback to when they built the fort, the interactions between the crews, etc. I'm originally from the DMV, the Demilitarized Zone, the Department of Motor Vehicles, which stands for D.C., Maryland, and Northern Virginia Metropolitan Area. Wow. And I was I'm le- glad there's an acronym for that because it's mouthful. Yeah. And I was legit nervous that they were heading to an area that is way too populated. So I appreciate Deanna explaining how well, at least in Northern Virginia at least, was one of the places that got evacuated quite effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michonne's happiness and sense of calm is a long time coming. I hope that this place stays legit for some uh, time for her sake. She's never experienced a moment of peace or respite. The others had the farmhouse and a prison, and of all of them, I think she really needs some sense of normalcy. 
I wonder if they'll have a love interest or even a new BFF for her in this place. And damn it, it better not be Rick. Gag. What? They're like siblings in my eyes, and she's like the cool aunt to Carl, and huh. not the kind of cool aunt that becomes your new stepmom. <laughs> nah, I'm all for nice. Rick and Michonne. No, and I'm I'm thinking you might be protesting a little bit too much there, Bookie, because she feels like exactly the kind of cool aunt that become your new stepmom. Yeah. Um, siblings? No, man, there's way too much chemistry between those two for the siblings. That's what I felt like, yeah. Um, Rick and Carol may be siblings, or even Carol and Daryl, but yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah. there's something. There's something there. I really enjoyed the episode. Can't wait to see what jobs everyone else gets assigned. I hope the gang gets to do trainings and workshops and what to do on the outside. Can you imagine that? What job do you assign, Eugene? Uh, Going and finding a pair of pants and putting them on. (laughs) That's your one task. If you can manage that and come back properly dressed. But he'll cut them off at the knees anyway. (laughs) uh, He can go report to, uh, what's her name, Jackie? He can be the new stylist, Jesse. Jesse, you can go to Jesse and get that fucking mullet taken care of. He can, yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of, he needs to do a lot of keeping so up appearances. all of his jobs are just going to be fixing the things that are wrong with him? Yes, yes. <laughs> we need to fix what's wrong with you as a human being, and then you okay. can contribute. <laughs> right now, you're standing in a hole that you've dug of your own design, uh-huh. and we need to get you out of that. Awesome. Also, as soon as he finds out that they've got video games, he It's is, all over, he's yeah. He's just going to hog it, mm-hmm. hog it all. Uh, let's see. She also coins, uh, what's, what's the guy's name? The Arazzi guy? Aiden. Aiden. He's the tadpole governor. The tadpole, okay. Hollywall governor. All right. Patrick T said, is there something in the way Deanna's obsessed with people's pre-apocalypse roles that could be a problem down the road? She mentioned that her husband, who her husband was, mattered. She effectively told Rick that his natural role in life is essentially to be a constable. However, Deanna fails to recognize how the apocalypse can transform people, sometimes for the worse in the governor's case, but sometimes new strings can emerge, such as Carol and Michonne. Daryl has arguably become a better person. Why is Deanna so obsessed with putting people back into what she considers to be their natural roles in life? Maybe because she's not had anybody change their role. Yeah, I mean, this could They've lived be, in relative isolation the whole time. This could be a relatively static situation that Rick and his group are going to upset. Could be. I like that. Uh, Mr. Rock and Rock says he's got some silly premises and some ugly, ugly shit that he wants to talk about. Okay. Uh, that Deanna's going to be a professional. We talked about Eugene. <laughs> That's silly premise one through five. Uh, then you could fill up another three or four with just Tara. Uh, that Deanna was going to be a professional poker player was such an unnecessary backstory. Even it turns out that she suspects Carol lied about her family life. What a jarring left field story point to actually give voice to. <laughs> Hans Gruber needed only to pause a moment and survey the lot before locking the gates in the Nakatomi Plaza to tell us he's a deliberate and cautious man. Uh, the same thing goes for Gus Fring in the hospital parking garage. We don't need some ridiculous justification. Had this writer pinned other episodes, he'd have made the bat-wielding Terminite a former Major League prospect, Sasha a former Navy SEAL sniper, and Michonne some exiled samurai. Yeah, they're... I, it's like the only thing worse than having no backstory is stupid backstory and cliched backstory. Yeah. Like some of this fist bumping, donkey licking, uh, sweet biscuit stuff is them grasping on making memorable characters by having them be catchphrases. You're right. This show feels like it wants to be too cool. Like it's gotten 
but to the point not. where it's such a phenomenon that it wants to be the coolest thing on TV. This is your junior high principal rapping version of cool. You're right. You're 100% right. It's not authentically cool. No. You want to see an authentically cool show, go watch Justified. Yes. This thing or is... Or Banshee. Is... <laughs> Don't you roll your eyes at me, Jim Jones. Don't you roll your eyes I, at hey, me. Hey, I can't argue with a man ripping out a woman's throat and then... I think he ate it? He ate it. No, he yeah, did not eat he it. He ate it. Fuck you. Uh, but... <laughs> But I yeah, I don't know. This show is trying to be cool. That thing with Sasha at the beginning was complete bullshit. Yeah, and complete and, bullshit that was just there for the fanboys to go, "Yeah, Sasha." Yeah. Woo! It's it's bullshit. Come on. Yeah. All right. Uh silly premise uh another one. He had a whole he had a ton and I had to cut it down for time. Carl investigates thumping sounds from an attic. Oh yes, my favorite one. Yep. When he arrives is empty. I guess those rascally kids were playing in the room and just happened to exit before Carl arrived. Perhaps the noise of them climbing down the window. But they weren't running away because they heard the residents were home. We know only late we know they only later learned Carl was a sign of that house. So it must have been a coincidence they left a mere seconds after Carl entered. No, 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 no. It doesn't have to be. Why? They could have heard someone rummaging around, assumed it was someone from the town oh, in the house for like some cheesing. reason, and yeah. then headed well, I guess out. That's true. Yeah. It doesn't take away the fact but that it's a dumb scene. Here's the so. other thing. If someone goes in that attic, tell me that they're not gonna know who's been in this attic. Who do you go to? Do you go to oh. Deanna and say, Deanna, have you been in this attic? I found comic books and a DVD player and baseball gloves. No, 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 no. But I think that they're just, this is their hideout, right? It is. It's it not is. like any time yeah. a parent goes into your hideout, you're fucking done, man. <laughs> no, but they're going to know they've been sneaking out. They're in trouble if they find Sure. Yeah. I'm saying that's true about any teenage experience. Once yeah. you're discovered, all your careful subterfuge is laid bare. Sure. You know? Um. Let's see, what else? Uh, and what was Carl doing? He investigates noise and distracted by a shiny object. He starts reading a comic book without the slightest concern about what led him there in the first place. There isn't even an obliga- obligatory shutter flapping in the wind or a second-story view of the teenagers running across the lawn. Nope. Carl just starts reading a comic book. A gratuitous tense scene, perhaps? Yes, that's exactly what it was, and you exactly yeah. nailed what all my problems were at the scene. Because huh. you're right. He even sees like this knotted rope going out the window and he doesn't look out to see what the hell's going on. Yeah. Like, oh, comic books. Jeff from New York. Hey guys. Um I wanted to comment on this week's episode. It seems pretty obvious that Alexandria is just a staging area for the real Alexandria. These walls are fortified from the outside to keep people in. The interviews are recorded for the real people who are in charge. Mm. The blender gun was gone probably because every move is being watched from the real group in charge. They've probably done this to every group that comes by. They make the leader the sheriff. They give him a false sense of leadership while they divide his group up to decide who will make it in the real Alexandria. Just my thoughts. Here's my thoughts, Jeff from New York. I think your idea is awesome. I fully subscribe to your newsletter and your theory. Uh, I like it, yeah. That would be a real mindfuck next-level storyline to have there be a legitimate you know, real Alexandria and this is the fake Alexandria. It's maybe populated by exiles or they could choose like, do you want to be in the fake Alexandria where you help us recruit people or, and you can work your way back into the real Alexandria? Well, Dana said she's had to exile three people. I wonder, I wonder if it'll be theater. I wonder if those are the only three people that she's ever taken in and then decided are not useful in this society or are not fit to be in this place. And that maybe she could get around to thinking, okay, maybe Daryl is not. Mm. Try and exile him, and then that would cause some shit. Sure. 
but I I like the idea that there could be like a training Alexandria because that's that's yeah. a great idea to limit exposure to your group. I mean, uh-huh. you give them full contact, and that would explain why this group is kind of lame. Like you know, they're so soft, like almost implausibly soft. I I really so you think the group that that is making first contact needs to be implausibly soft or should be implausibly soft. I think they should be the hardest of the hard. No, I'm saying that like if if this whole town got massacred by Rick's group, the real Alexander would be like, eh. <laughs> like they're the useless <laughs> All ones. All right, well, we lost, you know, we lost our setup there, but we'll set it <laughs> All right, up maybe not. Else. I like the bones of this idea. I, I do too. I like it a lot. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to Dan from Philly. Said, hey guys, I see the group becoming a magnificent seven slash seven samurai for the Alexander safe zone. Rick and Daryl are the Yule Brenner, Charles Bronson types being recruited to save what will ultimately be an ungrateful community. Do you think that Deanna's got this thing where she knows they need that that they they are soft and they don't got what it takes, and that she's actually brought them in to save them oh, yeah. from some future or current external threat? That is certainly what she's telling them. Sure. This whole episode. Um, so now, if you're talking about a scenario in which this is the Alexandria B area, she could just be telling them that. Um, but I don't know. We'll find out later. Uh, that's all we got uh, for non-spoilers. We have a quite a few spoilery takes to consider, but as is our custom, we do that after the music. Uh, yep. Again, if you want to send us feedback, watching dead at baldmove.com, uh, forums.baldmove.com, on facebook.com slash baldmove, and you can tweet at Jim at baldmove. Uh, super strong competition for feedback. It's, you know, especially after an episode like this, it's super good. Yeah. Man, so many brutal cuts. So many brutal cuts. But thanks for everybody who wrote in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we will see you next Sunday after the episode, or during the episode if yeah. you're a premium member. Sign up to Cl- Club Bald Move and join us. Watch it live. Yeah, where we will tell you who does and does not look like Captain Janeway. Sure. Uh, so you will be in the know on our jokes. Call call out the <laughs> Donald Trump faces. Yep. Until, I can't wait to see him in good light. He looks ju- he looks even more like Donald Trump in good light. I'm saying, like, I actually pause it. Like, was I just a knee-jerk reaction? He's Trumpy. Mm-hmm. He's Trumpy as hell. Maybe it is Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. Cameo. Uh, all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you then. Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're back with the spoiler section. What do we got? Michael B. McBee, uh, if you recall, and he's reminding us, he said, I said in the half-season finale, I think Morgan might take the place of Negan. Ne- God, I can't say this guy's name. Negan. It's not, I want to say, ne- I'm trying to split the difference between Negan and Negan. It's just Negan. <sighs> might take the place of Negan. Well, I'm officially making my speculation into a full-blown, double-down, triple-dog Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, prediction. Mm-hmm. Aaron mentioned how much of an asshole Kirkman was on the At Midnight show, giving away the complete Negan reveal. Maybe in his remix, he came up with the idea of substituting Negan with Morgan. He could then still cl- kill Glenn with the baseball bat, so all the t- ridiculous foreshadowing with him and baseball bats would come to fruition. 
Uh, I also totally think that what happened is Kirkman listened to podcasts and stole the idea from me after hearing Aaron's good points. <laughs> he, I, I'm flattered to think that Kirkman listens to our podcast and also secretly delighted. Yeah. Don't think it's true. Uh, what do you think, Jim? What do you think about Morgan um, going so far into the clear headspace he becomes a villain? So I'm trying to think through this logistically. The leader of Alexandria is going to go out on his own into the woods hundreds of miles from Alexandria in search of this group. What? Like, we know that Morgan was at Terminus. We know that Morgan was at... The church. The church. We know, like, Morgan has been following them, if that's the case, for hundreds and hundreds of miles. And if he is actually Negan... At this point, he turns into Negan. He He's turns into Negan. So I got, I got another way. All right, all I got right. Another That's way this could bad. work. Yeah, these three exiles, they're out in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Morgan encounters them, and they tell a completely different story about Alexandria, which he, in his muddled, clear, like black and white morality state, completely buys. And mm-hmm. he comes, he shows up with some other people that they've recruited. Uh, you know, Joe called it style, and they liberate Alexandria, quote-unquote liberate. But they would have to liberate it from Rick. How does how does Morgan become Negan when Rick Morgan is almost, there? Morgan almost killed Rick the last time they met. Sure. He's that crazy. Do you think that Rick is going to let Morgan come in and take this place over? No, of course he wouldn't let him. That's not the point. I'm saying that Morgan's going to show up with some hard-hitting... Alexander but that's exiles. not the Alexandria storyline at all, right? No, no, not in a comic, sure. So you're saying a huge remix here. Like, yeah, Alexandria be... is nothing like it was in the comics. Well, I mean, honestly, it's just substituting Morgan for Negan. They can... Negan, God damn it. They but can... it's not, because Negan is already established in Alexandria. It's not like Rick comes well, in and lets some guy take over and usurp his authority there. Yeah, so and... that's the thing, and I don't know, you know, remixes aside, I really don't know where we're at. Um, I don't know if we're going to make contact with Negan later. Has Negan been... God damn Damn it! Fuck you, Kirkman. <laughs> Negan, Negan, Negan. Whatever. Has Negan been has Negan got an understanding with Alexander, like in the comics, where they provide them with you know tribute. Okay. Um, I don't know. It would be shrewd of Deanna to try to recruit Rick. You know, some like, hey, Aaron, go out there in the wilderness and find us a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. But a one that has like a baby and like you know is not a total psychopath. Yeah. So we can have one maniac protect us from another. We'll be our maniac. I. That's kind of like what went down in the comics. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. You got a you got but, a feeling on, on that. So Alexandria in the comics is just Alexandria. That's the city that Negan has. No, there's several Rain cities. There's oh, several. there are. He, he controls okay. a wide area, and he collects tribute from several gotcha. reemergent civilizations. There's okay. Hilltop. I think that's a misunderstanding. I had. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, sure, maybe Morgan comes in and is one of those cities, and uh-huh. I don't know, turns into Negan. Who knows? Yeah, I could see it. I, could, I mean, I think it's a very interesting idea, but there... And I, I try to help you out there, Michael, with uh, some plausible ways you can make that happen, but maybe we can flesh that out. I, that's the thing. Like, when you start getting the details of how that would all work, how you would have an army. Yeah, I can't imagine it, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. Sure. You know? 
Uh, Heather H. said, so I was thinking about this episode and thinking maybe the surly teenage girl was with the three people who were exiled from Alexandria uh-huh. and is acting as a spy for them by sneaking out. Then I remembered Noah mentioning in one of the Slabtown episodes that he had an uncle he wanted to find. I always wonder if this uncle could have been Ezekiel, who's Tiger Man from the comics, as, as you'd know him. <laughs> Ezekiel could easily have been exiled from Alexander for not wanting to give up his pet tiger. Also, what does the tiger eat? Walkers. What do they do to the chickens? They threw the walkers in Harshall's, bar- Harshall's barn mm-hmm. to make them easy to catch and eat. They broke their legs. Sometimes with predatory animals, you hobble their prey so it won't injure them when they eat it. Maybe they cut off the limbs of the walkers and bring back truckloads of torsos to feed the tiger. You'd think that in a year or two, a full-grown tiger could probably clear a decent enough area of walkers, but you might have to go hunt for some food. Also, I think maybe the black handgun the camera lingered on was the cap, uh, when Captain ROTC was bragging about the sweet biscuits they checked out of their supply run was supposed to be the gun Rick had hidden in the blender. Uh, yeah, I've heard people say that. There's no I, evidence so far. Other than they look similar. Like yeah. they're both black guns, like matte black. Well, guns. no, you could, you could. I'm, sh- I now I wish I'd gone back and looked yeah, because yeah. you can certainly positively identify if they're the same type of gun. Sure, you get a clear enough view of both. But even that doesn't tell you if it's the exact same. Sure, gun. sure. Guess what? There are a lot of Glocks out there, right? Or whatever <laughs> that is. Sure, that's just my example yeah, of yeah, a yeah. duplicate gun. Yeah. Just don't want to get the clips of magazine folks up our ass, man. Uh, Dan from Manchester said, Now, uh, for me, Jesse will definitely take the place of Andrea. She looks a lot like Andrea from the comics, which is true. And she's also married prior to getting with Rick. My prediction is that Jesse's husband will beat her. He'll be the one that Rick near kills on retaliation while he's on cop duty. Also, I reckon the girl has a walker who is a member of her family. Oh, the girl, he's speaking of Enid has a walker who is a member of her family tied up somewhere, and that Carl will be the one to bring her around and have her let it go. What do you guys think? Let's take the first one. Another tied up family member, huh? So, and the comic, it's like, I was reminded this of several people, because, again, I haven't read them in a long time, but this Jesse character is a real character from the comics. Oh. Who is, uh, has a husband beats her storyline that Rick didn't Really? Intervenes. Again? Yeah. We're going to do that whole dance again? I thought we mean? did it so well with Carol. I don't want them to go to that well again. Uh, it could, it could have a different outcome. Or certainly, it could, certainly, it could be Rick. You know, being in the Shane role. I just feel like this show likes to double dip on their premises a lot. Man. Yeah, but that's a, not an uncommon premise, too. It's like, I guess when you're designing a show to be twelve plus seasons, uh huh. What you got got to do, right? And it's like it's only it's only a retread if it's a total retread. They can use it sure. to compare and contrast where Rick was there, whereas Rick is now. You know what is what do you do like? For example, the guy last week that wrote in and said what I really missed, what I was really excited for in season one is like, how do you deal with a guy like Ed who might be like they dealt with him by making him useless. Mm-hmm. He had no skill. He was an asshole. He did. But what if he had a like what if it was Daryl, mm-hmm. your tracker hunter, who also had a woman that he beat? Yeah. How do you deal with the situation where it's a vital cog that is doing something that is that that you cannot stand and let happen? That's more interesting. It is, but the way they position Trump face is just... He seems like he's Ed Ed 2.0. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Maybe Jesse gets fed up with not being able to cut his hair because it's a toupee and then (laughs) leaves for Rick. That's what I'm thinking. She Uh, loves styling so much. Yeah, they did, like I said, they did a really weird non-chemistry chemistry chemistry with Rick and uh, her. 
Uh, Edwin C said a lot of the episode was out of the comics, but it f- uh, but first looks like we have another Kirkman remix in the comics. The character, the leader, is a man named Douglas Monroe, who is also a politician. He and Rick pump uh, bump heads quite often in the comics, but also seem like an alpha male type of rivalry. So it'll be interesting to see if this also happens in the show, or if Deanna slash Douglas is willing to take a backseat to Rick. Another possibility is that she will suffer the same fate as Douglas's wife, Regina, in the comics, as she has her throat slash getting between Rick and another man having confrontation. Ooh. Huh. I forgot. Yeah. Her son, Aiden, is named Spencer in the comics and is also a pain in the ass. But if the show has a storyline play out in the same in the comics, he's going to be around for at least another season. But his death is fucking awesome. I don't remember what happened to his son. I do remember now that you mentioned it, what happened to Doug's is it'd be cool for them to combine Douglas and Regina. Ooh, if you took Douglas and Regina, you'd kind of come up. No, Deanna, it'd be D De- Gina. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is that a port? Are they trying to tell us something? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. That she like jumps in and intervenes between like Rick, but that's or Daryl, man. If she tried the, the to... problem with doing that, and that this is a classic Kirkman remix, mm-hmm. is that creates a power vacuum uh-huh. that Rick just steps in. Uh having his wife be killed just intensified. Like you and, and the thing in the comics, um well, actually, I'm going to let Edmund take it over. It goes, the man who confronts Rick is Peter Anderson, and this happens almost exactly as it does in the comics. In the comics, he and his wife are having problems, and he confides in Rick um, about this, but Rick has suspicions about them, uh, about him, as he's the man I was talking about, Rick nearly uh, beating to death for hitting his wife. In the comics, this is a very important storyline, as it leads to what I think will be the season finale, which, if it ends, as I'm hoping, will be a battle scene out of 300, but replace the Persians as zombies. The last comic reference I saw ending with Rick uh, was in the... Oh, Jesus. The last comic reference I saw was the ending with Rick announcing to the group that they'll take the community if things don't work out hmm. with these people as the ending of their first issue in Alexandria. It also seems that Sasha's taking on the role of Andrew in the comics. I th- thought... No, it must be Dan W. that takes that talks about why this is an interesting plot point with Rick and Peter and Douglas and Regina and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So let's go right onto that before I get your reaction. Um, Dan says, this is a very powerful storyline. Even if Kirkman didn't handle it all that well in the comics, Rick took a difficult situation and made it far more volatile and deadly because of how he changed while outside. It pretty much guaranteed that they're going to do something like this with the hairdresser's husband. So if I take Dan and Edwin's point together, then I'm confused as fuck because I haven't read any of these comics. And sure, I, sure. It's hard to follow. <laughs> so, like, Douglas has a Douglas, who was Deanne in the comics, had uh-huh. a wife named Regina. Regina sure, she, she tried gets her to inter- throat slash. She tried to inter- got her throat slash intervene between Rick and this man's scuffle. Okay, but the point in the comics was that Rick was instead of being a police officer trying to defuse the situation, he was more like, "I know you're this kind of guy, and I'm going to, sh- you know, sh- show you that I'm not going to tolerate this behavior," and it led to a person being killed that didn't have to be killed. Or at least that's what you're left to kind of wonder in the com- and and obviously that made a lot of tension between the politician who likes Rick's strength but wants Rick to rein in his caveman tendencies and yeah. Rick who thought this guy and everything in this town is too soft and too lax anyway. So if you combine Deanna with that, then you lose a lot of that because it's just a power sure. vacuum that Rick steps into. Yeah. I wonder if the scuffle becomes between Rick and the son. 
Yeah, he could. And then Rick kills. He seems like a hothead anyway. But so. still, it's like, yeah, Killer <laughs> Son is brutal. I don't. Yeah, that's the problem. With these fucking remixes, man. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, let's move on to some new territory. Uh, Steven from Florida said, this is a little bit of a comic book spoiler. I feel Carol might take Maggie's place in the comics In the books. Maggie eventually takes over one of the communities surrounding Alexandria. Maybe in the show, Maggie succeeds in hanging herself and Carol will take over the neighboring town. Once it's been introduced to us, hmm. I think Maggie's not going to hang herself at this point. doesn't seem like that it. That feels no. like that storyline has been dealt with. She was laughing and smiling in this episode. Uh huh. Because she never really cared about that. Exactly, exactly. She had to. She had to. Keep there was up a token scene of her crying, and that's it. Yep, yep. It's the extent of her grief. Uh, also, my roommate and I have a theory about what Rick is going to do in the town now that he's a sheriff again and is seen as an equal. I don't remember this happens in the comics, so I apologize if it does. But how strong is is this community when up against a real threat? Could Rick cause a mock attack to see who in the community will stand and fight and who will cower in their homes? <laughs> Could we also find out who is really loyal to Deanna if the town thinks their life is in danger? So this this situation, Rick and sends out, say, Daryl, Sasha, and Glenn to fire some guns and do something crazy like a, a, a mock attack. Shoot a uh, firework in and blow up the there town. There you go. Do you like that? <laughs> do you like seeing like who's battle-ready and battle-tested and who can't be relied upon? Is that pretty savvy? That, that would be cool, yeah. I'd like to see that. Moving on, Ashley's uh, point about Daryl and Morgan. There's a scene in the previews where Daryl's out with Aaron on some kind of run. So since he wasn't given a job yet, I think he may be, become a recruiter with Aaron. Oh, the odd couple possibilities. And eventually bring Morgan back to Alexandria. I don't know how Morgan finds Rick otherwise since his map is headed to D.C. And I suppose just Aaron could happen to find them. It's not like Daryl even knows him. But I do think recruitment would be a good fit for Daryl. It seemed to be his job at the prison, and he seems more comfortable on the outside. No, I think that's a fantastic idea to put Daryl as a tracker. I do think it. I think there's some interesting odd couple dynamics between him and Aaron, which would be light comedy without being over the top. And it suits him, right? And it suits him. Yeah, he's an ex. Like he can be out in the wilderness ninety five percent of the time and still serving the greater good, and probably be happier. That's that because honestly, you know, my whole theory has been Daryl's going to get beat to death. And the uh, whole time I'm watching him fail to fit in, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God, this show has no more room for Daryl. Negan's going to beat this man's head in. Yep. Um, yeah. So that would be a better a better fate if you're going to stick with Daryl. Justin B. said, what are the chances that Daryl gets exiled and or stranded before the group takes over Alexandria and ends up a member of the Saviors? Uh, I don't know who the Saviors are, but I could totally That's see Negan's him getting exiled. gang. Oh, all right. So... Hmm. They did that with Joe already, and we saw did. his loyalties. I don't. But see this place him. loves to rehash this show, man. I don't buy. I don't buy Daryl. I buy Daryl turning against Alexandrians. I do not buy Daryl turning against Rick and yep. more particularly uh, Carl and little baby ass kicker. Yeah. Uh, he also says we've yet to see Rick get his hand removed. I know Kirkman says it's the, his biggest regret of the comics, but I think it makes the character of Rick Grimes that much greater. Too bad. I don't think it's going to happen, ever. Yeah, he said, what if in encounter with Negan, he substitutes the Rick's cutting off the hand with the Glenn getting bashed by the uh, baseball bat, which what signals to everybody that Negan is not to be fucked with. I agree, but there's two things. You think it's a bummer having character missing a hand in the comic books? 
try having a major character having to have a convincing prosthetic on his hand at all times. Like, like it was. Oh, pretty, I don't know, uh, Merle? Merle. It was pretty <laughs> noticeable with Merle. Uh huh. And you know, just glint. I, I just don't see Andrew getting the green sleeve sock and then digitally removing his stump every single time. It's it'd just be tedious. No, I felt like. Uh, the only time Kirkman is going to remove the hand is going to be on Merle. Like he did that because yes. he considered it a huge mistake on a main character. And it was his nod. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, it, man, Nick, if he does that, say that's my biggest regret. I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, wow. Well, that'd be an epic spoiler section. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Last one. Jeremy R says a death in the show may have been spoiled by casting news. The guy who plays Noah has been cast as a recurring character for a criminal mind spinoff in CBS. Official prediction, Noah's bum ankle gets him into a bitey situation. You know what? If that's the case, I'm fine with it because yeah. Noah Noah is just one of those characters, man. Yeah, I think he was a plot device. And and not a necessary one at that. <laughs> so All right. R.I.P. Noah in advance. Sure. I'm with you. All right, that's it. That's all we got that's for it. spoilers. Okay. Uh, well then that's it for the show too. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. Yep. Bye-bye.